Good morning, good evening, good night, good afternoon, depending where in the world you are. Welcome to this, our seventh uh, Crowdcast virtual corporate jet investor town hall. It's great to see so many people here, so many people still locked in and unable to get out. Um, just a quick housekeeping, please uh, check out CGI Global, our conference on July the 8th. It's going to start at... Um, 3 p.m. in Hong Kong and run through to 3 p.m. in New York. So you can stay up all night for more than 12 hours of content and some really cool networking. Although, as Andrew Douglas pointed out, we can't do a town hall. We've got some fantastic guests today. Let's get straight on with them. We're focusing, um, uh, we're, we're focusing on aircraft sales. Our first speaker, we're delighted to have hiding in this corner of his screen, Brian Foley, founder of Brian oh, Foley Associates. It's been a really long lockdown here in New Jersey. It's ready to come out like everyone else, I think. I feel <laughs> so, like uh, Gillette did say that <laughs> Gillette did say that sales of razors had fallen during the downturn. <laughs> Brian Foley, uh, founder of Brian Foley Associates, started his career as a flight test engineer at Boeing before moving into marketing and then becoming marketing manager at Dassault Falcon Jet for 20 years. He then founded Brian Foley and Associates Bryflow. He doesn't need any um, any more introduction. So, Brian, easy question. How is this downturn going to look? Well, we're in the downturn, so it kind of looks like it is right now, I'd, I'd say to you. Um, maybe a more important question is how is it going to look, uh, you know, a month from now, six months from now, a year from now? And unfortunately, it's one of those loaded questions. It, it depends. It depends what segment of the business aviation market you're in. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in the economy and vaccines and, you know, a number of other factors. Um, but I, I kind of know your constituents haven't been, haven't been to some of your good conferences before. And I'll kind of, you know, work, work through them as we go here. Um, you know, maybe brokers. Um, I had a chat with them yesterday. Um, I, you know, I could make the argument that business could be down 25% this year, and not, not because of lack of demand, but just because we've all been locked up for three months. And, it's, and that's about, the, you know, 25% of a year. So you could see, uh, you know, business bonk that much. Um, but longer term for those folks, I could make the argument that business aviation is going to be quite interesting to people to avoid the airlines. And, you know, business should come back. If I was to hazard a guess where we'd be in 12 months, um, I think I've mentioned that, uh, you know, what will be somewhere in the 2016, 27 timeframe to be conservative. I hope we're better than that, but just for, for planning, that seems like a reasonable place to be. Um, the, the charter folks um, did quite well when the, the lockdown happened because they were expatriating a lot of uh, folks back home. Um, that trailed off in a hurry and most are parked or at least doing minimal flights now. Um, they'll be out of this, uh, you know, before the airlines, I'm quite convinced, um, because you're able to avoid the airline crowds, basically. Um, those who can afford business jets and have been cooped up in their, you know, fourth home will be looking to get over to their second home just for a, a change of pace. So they'll, they'll come out first. Um, we'll have a little bit of summer travel, hopefully bringing that up higher. September, maybe a little more business travel to bring it up some. Um, but it really won't go full scale until we get that vaccine or herd immunity, uh, you know, immunity or whatever you want to call it going forward um, before we see things head back. Um, MRO saw a nice pop. Um, many MROs did um, early on during the lockdown as people brought in their airplanes for service and last minute uh, item checks. 
um, but that's going to get quiet because there's just not a lot of utilization yet. And that'll take, uh, you know, some months to, to ramp back up. And unfortunately, the FBOs are, are caught there, too. Um, you know, the good news for them is it appears we were on a bottom in utilization in the April time frame and it's starting to slowly trickle up. And I suspect that'll gain momentum, too. So um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. What would, what would you be doing if you were at an OEM now? Well, the OEMs, like it or not, are doing it um, now. <laughs> and what that means is that artificially, if you will, their production stopped. They, they had to stop. They had to get people out. Um, and what that's done um, is reduced the, possib the, the possibility of a lot of white, white tails at the end of the year. Um, it, it, it forced them to be um, responsible, if you will, and not uh, produce too fast. Fortunately, before this downturn, they had been responsible. And th this is like a neutron rod going into the production cycle to make sure it doesn't get ahead of itself down the line. Um, but I'm sure OEMs now are trying to, uh, you know, keep the order book together. I think it's a lot more solid than it was in the, you know, 07, 08 timeframe. And they're it's probably some that are trying to sell some 2020 positions still, and those could be those dreaded whitetails at the end of the year if they don't find a home for those. You wrote a great article for Forbes this week, which we've republished on our site. Um, and you're saying you don't think people are looking to sell jets at the moment. At, at the moment, they're trying to hold on. Do you want to take us through that argument? Head fake. I was just moving my lips. <laughs> oh, I, I had to do that. I mean, everyone's getting used to Zoom and Team and every, everything else. And that, that seems to be a pretty common theme is the, the moving mouth and nothing going on. Um, yeah, I, I cut a little article in Forbes about two weeks ago and then and shared it with the, the industry um, last week or this week, I forget. Um, but as opposed to the 07, 08 timeframe, um, back then when the bottom of the economy fell out, there was just a rush to the exits of owners to get out of their business jets. And it was compounded by, um, uh, you know, lending standards that were too lax. People couldn't afford these planes. It was compounded by, you know, the, the fear of a banking issue, which is pretty scary stuff. Um, don't forget those uh, auto execs that went to Washington hat in hand. Um, and it kind of embarrassed the industry a little bit. So everyone went running for cover and put their airplane up for sale. And at that time, almost one in five business jets were up for sale. Let's take a look at today. Um, you know, the stock market did some scary gyrations. Um, the, the future is a little bit uncertain. And you'd think you'd see a repeat of that, but quite the opposite. You know, according to Amstat, 9.8% um, of the fleet was for sale pre-corona. And today it's about 10.3%, which is very normal. I, I consider normal 10 to 12% of the fleet for sale. So what it tells us is owners are really trying to hold on for the planes as long as they can. You know, th there'll be some that fall out because they require cash flow and they, they got hit and they'll be moving their airplane. But others by and large are hanging on to it, not only because it's the time savings, you know, the age old tide savings, um, the age old avoid the airport scene. But now there's a new argument for business aviation, a third leg in the stool, if you will, and that's to travel safely from a, you know, germaphobe 
aspect. And that's going to be a really powerful sales tool for both pre-owned uh, folks as well as the new. Okay, we've got lots of questions coming up. Uh, one from Rich Berkemeyer. If we look at the car industry in the US, used cars are piling up, Hertz is in trouble. No one is buying unless 0% financing long-term steep discounts. Do you see the same in the corporate jet market? Are the OEMs disciplined? Are they ever disciplined? There's some that are more disciplined than others. Um, there's others that are, you know, trying to prove something to the stock market and, and trying to, you know, get, get those numbers out. But I think this this ind industry got spanked pretty hard in 07, 08, and the manufacturers have long memories, um, whereas the car manufacturers, uh, you know, seem, seem to forget, and there's lots of uh, changes in leadership, and it, it's just two different animals right now, and I, I really can't compare the two. Okay, and a, and a question from uh, Jean-Noël Robert at Airbus. You expect new aircraft sales back to normal right after the end of the lockdown? No, not not at all. You know, pe people are still a little pinned down, you know, in their ability to get around and, you know, go look at airplanes or do demo flights. So um, it, it, it'll be a slow rebound and it's not going to, you know, get back right to where it was. Um, I'm estimating, um, just like the brokers, probably a 25 to 30 percent downturn in business uh, for the manufacturers. Again, not because buyers are running away necessarily, but it's just because the factories are stopped for 25% of the year. So they're, they're going to take a, a little hit. And again, they'll be super sensitive to ramping up production. So I think that'll go slowly through 2021 and 2022. Um, but arguably, there'll be stronger demand for new business jets going forward. Not, not enough where we have to double production and get back to 1,300 deliveries a year. But there's a, a, a new argument for business aviation that we didn't have before. That's a really nice and optimistic start yeah. to this. Yeah. And, um, and I, I have two questions for you, Alistair, at, at the end, if, if there's still time for that. Sure. What are they? Um, just, you know, we, we, we were just wondering as a, as a group, um, you know, what, what, what are, how are you changing your business model at your business? And how could our, you know, us, uh, you know, grateful viewers here, you know, support that going forward? Well, thank you. That's, and I promise this wasn't a setup question. No, um, no. I think we, in the short term, we're not going to be able to run live events, and we've moved them on already. Um, and so we're really excited about our first virtual event in July, um, and we have an online training course which is replacing our face-to-face -face training course. But at the moment, I think like everyone else, we're just waiting to see what happens and the lockdown to end. But thanks for asking. Okay, Brian, I think I've lost you now. But that was uh, Brian Foley of Brian Foley and Associates speaking there, but perfectly timed. I'm now delighted to hand over to Chris Ellis. Chris needs no introduction. Co-founder and managing director of AFPRO in D.C., Avpro is one of the most active brokers, re regularly selling close to 100 aircraft a year. Chris, you launched Avpro 29 years ago. What do you think of the market now? Uh, good morning, Alistair. Um, yeah, I think uh, like most people, um, you know, we're a little bit of unprecedented times right now. It happened super quick, so we're trying to digest it. We're, you know, 
unfolds. I think uh, earlier this year we had a robust January and uh, February, and then super quick, uh, you know, the whole economy went into park. 96% of Americans were, you know, ordered in March to, uh, you know, or by the end of March to uh, shelter in place, which is unprecedented. So um, we're digesting all that. Um, and I think that um, quickly, believe it, quicker than I, than I expected, in the past two weeks, we have seen um, significant trading in popular models um, of the, you know, uh, several, you know, several units that I wouldn't have expected three weeks ago. Um, so that's optimistic. I think it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with the stock market for sure. And a lot of it has to do, I think, with the uh, optimism that things are going to open up. Um, clearly, there's a lot of questions, but I think uh, there's, you know, people are looking to get back to normality and, and, and optimistically thinking that we can, you know, get from park to first gear to second gear. And um, so I, I, I see I see some uh, bright spots ahead. And it's, it's surprising because I don't think three to four weeks ago I was thinking that. It's, but there's a lot of questions, so it's cautious. Is now the time to inventory aircraft? Um, well, I mean, inventory is a bet, right? It's a, it's an investment. Um, I think part of the problem over the last four to six weeks is there's been really, or seven weeks, eight, whatever you want to call it, it's been no wholesale market because you got to figure out what retail is first, you know? And, um, I think when you have a climate like we had, which was an acute, you know, abrupt stop, um, I think there is no market for several weeks. So um, many of my end user customers that had airplanes for sale were, you know, smart people. And they're like, we don't blame you. They're not getting offers. There is no, why would anybody buy today? You know, Um, but that is, you know, uh, I think sellers are still being, you know, smart sellers are still being patient. I think, um, look, this came out of nowhere. There was really no planning for it. So if you're a big company in the middle of trading airplanes to a manufacturer and and this caught you in the point where you can't own two airplanes. Or, I mean, there's tons of circumstances where, you know, certain people have to sell or certain, you know, and, and you know, those good airplanes are trading at, at, at decent prices, but they are trading, which is, which is a change from a month ago. So, um, again, that's optimism, which is great. I, again, it's cautious because I think there's still a lot of downstream effects to shutting down uh, in America a $25 trillion economy for better part of a quarter. Um, I don't think we know what that, you know, some of those levers and what they look like downstream, but, um, and there will be repercussions, but I believe that it, you know, if we can keep the momentum that we've had in the last couple of weeks going, I think we could have a good second half of the year. I was talking to a, um, an OEM two weeks ago and they were saying that they hadn't seen cancellations partly because they they were being honest, partly because they felt that people were too busy dealing with their business and they weren't thinking right. about an aircraft. Are we at the point now where most buyers have got a plan or but most sellers or buyers or? Look, I think, I think there's still many buyers that are in the give me a couple more months 
maybe because there's really a there's nowhere to fly today maybe that's opening up but in the last couple of weeks it's been you know why am i rushing to buy something when i'm not really going anywhere you know so that's part of the part of the answer for some some buyers other buyers there's no you know fear that they're going to lose a deal because i think there's think there's plenty of deals coming i think a lot of buyers believe that there's going to be maybe better deals in the coming months um so but i but i i i I think a lot of buyers also are waiting for to see what the effects to their business are. This happens super quick. And I don't think anybody has the total effect of how it affects their current business. Can that Falcon suffice instead of upgrading to a global right now? Because, you know, what the, what, what is your business going to look like? I mean, we're still only, we're less than 90 days into this. So, and we're actually seeing some remnants of activity of maybe coming I, I don't want to say coming out because I'm, I don't want to be foolhardy, but, but, but more trading than I would have expected. We've got a question, a, a load of very difficult questions for you. Sure. Um, uh, let me go for a nice one from uh, Jet Values, Jeremy. Here's a what if. What would be our, the state of the industry if we were in lockdown past the end of the year? Yeah. Wow. Well, commercial flying, you know, part of it is, so if we're in lockdown, there's really, that's a problem, right? To the economy, because there's an economic discussion to that where, you know, we got really big economic issues for sure. But also, if you're in lockdown, you have no need to go anywhere. So, you know, you have no need to upgrade. You know, wealthy people will hold on to their assets. Well, even if we're locked down at the end of the year, I don't think anybody's going to exit their aircraft, first of all, they would, if that was a scenario, they wouldn't think that they could exit the aircraft or any, you know, thing that would be reasonable. Um, yeah, I think if we were locked down to the end of the year, I think we would have some issues. We would have to really come up with a dialogue that would, you know, across all industries that would have to be optimistic about a vaccine coming, about, about, about what it looks like. When do we get back to not a future state, which is determinate, but back to some normality, which is what we're all used to. We're used to a motor that works a certain way, even though it may work slightly differently. We, you know, we like to work, we like to spend money, we like to consume, we like to you know, have something that resembles what we used to have. So that's, that's a, that's a, I would think that would be a dire concept. I, I think, yeah, so I don't think that's gonna happen, but you could open up and have, uh, you know, a, a, a part shut down again or so but yeah you know there is definitely scenarios um that are you know dire you know and and, and it's worth having a discussion about all options on the table what does it look like you know yeah and, and, but, and there is the ch chance of a second wave um if we're going to be depressed and uh, um okay here's a question from sharon mckenna we might expect the OEM, I know you have a relationship with all the OEMs. We might expect the OEMs will heavily discount new aircraft to move them. Will your sellers pull out of the market because the secondary market values will collapse? No, um, will the sellers, will the sellers back out? Um, hmm. I, I don't think the secondary market will collapse. I, I, you know, I think there will be um, some, you know, price adjustments and, and to some extent have been. 
I will say that airplanes are selling even in the past couple weeks for higher prices than they probably could have sold for, which is not an increase in price, but maybe, uh, you know, uh, not as bad as what some open conversations could have been, you know, um, pricing. So um, I think sellers uh, are smart. They own airplanes. They're not dumb people. If the world shut down, they either going to keep or they will, they're, they're going to keep their asset not upgrade or they're going to have to sell at a, you know, quarterly liquidation value, which could be, you know, could get ugly, but um, we seem to manage as a marketplace, you know, exiting a lot of the good deals that, you know, ha have been, you know, relatively orderly in the last several weeks. I think you, you can manage it. Finally, do you have faith that the OEMs are much more experienced at dealing with a lack of demand? Um, I don't. You look, this happened quick. So lack of demand is at this point less than a quarter old, right? It's probably less than two months old. You know, um, I think, I mean, I bought an airplane February 22nd, you know, so there's clearly demand then, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I think that we are still early on here. Again, how long is it going to last? I, you know, I think OEMs have a much longer outlook and have to. They have to buy from vendors years ahead of time, make you know, adjust. I mean, they have, you know, engines, avionics, wings, you know, parts. They have a whole bunch of stuff that they have to order. They, it's hard for them to, you know, just shut that off, you know, from plant employees and contracts. So I think they will manage. I think they'll, if they were smart, they would manage their customers. They would take care of their current customers. They would, you know, work hard to keep their brand super strong. And the marketplace will is a, is a free market, so it will work its way out. I'm sure they, you know, would hope that they could manufacture less, but that all depends on what you know their supply chain requires them to, you know, con you know, at this point, you know, manufacture. You know, I think I think we'll know more as the weeks and months go on. I don't think we're gonna, you know, we'll have to wait for six months or you know even two to three months to really get a clear and clear picture. But it's you know it, we've We've turned some corner. I'm not saying it's a V recovery, but we've turned some corner the last you know, couple of weeks. Brilliant. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Chris Ellis, co-founder yeah. and managing partner of Avpro. Thanks, Chris. Okay, we've come back to the UK now. Delighted to have Fabrizio, Fabrizio joining us, uh, the founder of Orville Aviation. Um, Fabrizio is an aviation entrepreneur and advisor. He got his pilot's license before his driving license. Um, he was a BBJ captain and also flew for five different airlines. Uh, Fabrizio, what are you seeing now? Well, I, I just look at it this way. If we look at what happened in 9-11, just after 9-11, uh, with all the security enhancements in airports and whatnot, we saw companies like NetJets just go right up and the whole business aviation uh, market just went crazy. People were buying airplanes because they were afraid of flying on an airline in case a terrorist was going to be on the, on, on the flight. So now people are going to be scared of the virus. So uh, there's, and, and um, I think it was, um, it was Brian that was mentioning, you know, that the whole virus thing is another reason now to fly private or to own your own aircraft. Now we all know that, you know, half the billionaires in the world do not own their own aircraft. Now uh, I predict that some of those people are sitting at home right now, 
thinking, hmm, I think it's my time to buy an airplane simply because they've got the money to buy the plane. They've got the money to run the plane. Um, and then they'll have the advantage and the security of having the airplane. The other thing is, once the airlines resume flying, they're not going to resume flying all the routes they flew before. So you're not going to have certain routes are going to be cancelled. Other routes are not going to have the frequency that you had before. So there's another reason for flying private. So I'm optimistic. Um, I think we're going to see, um, I mean, not a massive surge. I think we're going to see a lot of new people come into the market. People that have the money that didn't spend it before because they just thought, well, no, I don't I don't want an airplane. I'll spend it on yachts and something else and, and, and whatnot. So that's what I, I see coming. I mean, what we've got to be careful of here is that there's not that we don't come across another outbreak of a virus. But I think what a lot of the governments have seen and companies and whatnot around the world is that was the lockdown really necessary? Is there a way of containing this virus without doing a lockdown? by testing and whatnot. So what they may just say is if you want to travel by air, you have to be, have with a test certificate from your doctor. And then they're going to lie on the airplane. But what's going to happen is they're going to introduce testing machines in airports, a bit like the security systems in airports after 9-11. And so you'll turn up four hours before now your flight. You have to spit in a tube, wait 15 minutes for them to test you. And then they turn around and say, oh, sorry, sir, you can't fly today because you've got a slight cold. Um, and that's going to create a bit more disruption flying for the airlines, which is going to make more people migrate towards the private jet thing. Of course, not everyone can afford a private jet. But, you know, as I said before, half the billionaires in the world do not own a private jet. And I think those people are going to start looking at flying private. That's a really upbeat, cheery um, start. One thing that's interesting about you is you advise buyers of aircraft, but you don't have a website. Your preferred means of communicating is YouTube. Yeah, well, explain that to us. Yeah, well, I started with LinkedIn and I started writing articles like once, twice a week on LinkedIn. And as a result of that, I, I'm up at 295,000 people following me on LinkedIn. And then, you know, I'm following the whole social media situation. And I thought, well, first of all, I started doing videos on YouTube just because every time I got on a call with somebody, they asked me the same questions. So I thought, look, just to save time, I'll just post the answers on 10 videos, put it on YouTube. And, and then just drive people to that link before we have have, have a conversation. So I, I stayed away from having a website because I thought, let's see how this, because there's a lot of people using social media and they don't have a website. I said, let's see if it works for planes. So then people started contacting me that I, I knew nothing about. And they said, oh, I watch your YouTube videos. And so I, I, I want to have a call because I want to buy a plane or lease a plane. Um, and so then I thought, oh, wait a minute, this could be a, a way of marketing myself. So now here we are, 260 videos <laughs> uh, uh, under my belt. Uh, as a result of that, I mean, this year I've been on live TV nine times already um, and I've turned two or three interviews down. Um, so the media have, have caught on to, you know, I'm out there and um, and they want my commentary on what's happening in the market, particularly with this COVID-19 and the airline thing, because I comment both on what's happening in the airline industry, having worked in, in the airline space as well as the private jet space. Um, and then, of course, you know, what, what, what crosses over from one to the next. So it's working for me. Um, I mean, yes, you do get some time wasters, but, you know, um, I think, you know, more and, and particularly just recently, it's been a lot easier for me to get people to be guests on my show on YouTube because they're, they're not traveling as much. And so they're available. And so I, I've had some very interesting interviews. The one that came out today was with the CEO of XTI Aircraft, um, very interesting aircraft. Um, and so my whole purpose with the channel is to uh, educate the market and make people understand that the private jet is a business tool and not a luxury item. Yes, it can also be a luxury item, but it's a business tool if used in a certain way. 
uh, because the media, every time they talk about private jets, it's, you know, Victoria Beckham flew to Paris on, on, on a Goldstream to have her hair done. Why couldn't she have her hair done in London? All these people, how they pollute the air, blah, blah. That's what the media tend, the story they tend to put around private aviation. And so the man on the street sees private aviation as a negative thing. I mean, I did an episode on Walmart uh, and how Walmart during, you know, the 2008-2009 increased their business jet fleet, allowing then the, the people going to buy food at the grocery store to, to, to spend, you know, a low amount of money to put food on the table. And and it's thanks to their usage of private jets that you can buy cheap groceries at Walmart or Asda, as we have in the UK. And, um, you know, they have a, a large fleet. So, you know, I told that story because that story is not out there. And and that's really what I've been doing with YouTube. And it's working. And, and I've managed to, you know, keep going without a website. I mean, so, soon we're launching a new company. So we'll be putting a couple of pages up as a website. But so far, you can work with just uh, using YouTube and LinkedIn. It, it, it works fine. Um, and I'd say, you know, because YouTube, you can be on there, your face is out there. Um, people just, it, some people say to me, oh, it's like having you in my, in my living room or, um, when I watch, uh, I watch you during breakfast time, I just put you up on my iPad when I'm having breakfast. So yeah, it's, um, and I think in the industry, um, I got a lot of criticism in the beginning because people said to me, billionaires don't go on YouTube. Well, I'm sorry, they do. Um, and, uh, and I think now with a lockdown, more and more of them have been turning to uh, social media and picking information. I mean, I did a call just the other day, consultancy call with a gentleman in in, um, in Austria uh, looking to buy a fraction of ownership card. He wasn't sure if to go that way or not. Uh, he paid me for, for, for the hour consultancy. Uh, and I asked him, I said, how did you find me on YouTube? I said, how long have you been watching me? Six months. And this gentleman is 67 years old. So he's not a young guy, 30. So they, they, are, they are watching YouTube. So there's a lesson there for everyone watching this today. Thanks so much, Fab. We really appreciate it. That was Pony, founder of Orville Aviation. Okay, delighted to be joined now by Mark Connell, president of East Coast Jet Centre in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, East Coast offers sales, acquisitions, modifications, and much more. And Mark, you've been president for 36 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> so what do you think of this market? Well, I think everybody has this pretty much same consensus. It happened so quickly that nobody really knows how to deal with this thing. Um, so I think time will only tell and hopefully uh, it'll come back stronger. I, we've got a great question from uh, Frank Janet, who, you know, very experienced industry uh, person. Everyone thinks demand for private air travel will be greater post-corona. But how many people that were not flying private pre-corona can actually afford the high dollar cost to join the ranks of flying private? That's the big question, isn't it? Well, I think that, uh, you know, one of the uh, questions that people are going to say is that they don't want to be exposed. So I, we think just from uh, the, the reactions that we've had, you know, whether it's positive or uh, is there a new wave? So is the wave of customers a tsunami, which is not yet in sight? or new customers seeking uh, incipient uh, increase in uh, smaller jets. So a lot of people don't want to be exposed to the potential of uh, a coronavirus, especially with no uh, vaccine at the point is what, you know, basically everybody seems to be saying. So I guess time will tell, but, you know, you know, these small mid-sized jets are, you know, it seems might, I think there's, you know, with the increases we've seen, uh, we think it'll be a more positive. Do you think that um, in the last downturn, obviously, the small light jets were hit the worst and the larger 
you know, long distance aircraft did a lot better. Do you think it's going to be different this time? Uh, actually, I do. I think that, um, you know, uh, some of the, uh, the guys that have the bigger airplanes, the global, you know, 5,000, 6,000, Gulfstream 550, 650, they're saying if you put a deposit, you know, just say a couple million dollars down, be careful, you might get, get what you wish. But that's, that market seems to be stagnant where the smaller airplanes, uh, people that it maybe have been on the fence, I think they're going to come off the fence where their uh, spouse or even businesses, you know, they can go out and do their business during the day and come home and sleep in their bed without having to, the hassles of a hotel. Okay, I've got a, a question uh, which has been on for a while. What, what do you think about social distancing requirements? Will it impede the efficiency of getting an aircraft closed? You know, things like PPIs. Well, you know something, that's an interesting topic. Um, we had the potential of one transaction that we're working on a, a Lear 60XR. It'll be our first transaction that we're gonna do remotely. The other is the same as a PPI as discussed. Um, we're trying to buy a couple airplanes at the moment where our clients are on board because in the same scenario, they don't wanna be exposed. In Florida, where we are, we have, we're still in lockdown. So the stores uh, here, you're, it's mandatory to wear a mask uh just for the protection of you know whether you do or not is another story just 70 miles north of here which is stewart where we keep a few airplanes uh i was up there recently and you know people are jogging walking around no masks everybody's just happy as could be uh they may not have the uh the numbers but broward county where we are seems to be a hot spot so can you still get aircraft done do you think PPI is done in Florida? Well, it, it's interesting. You know, we were talking about, you know, maybe we need to use, uh, you know, buy a small plane that we can get around versus us getting on the airline, which may be, you know, the way to go back to where you used to be. Um, you know, how do we, you know, I'm in Florida. If I want to do a pre-purchase inspection at Duncan or Cessna, Wichita, you know, how am I going to get there? The, the solution is not good. Driving, uh, we have a Gulfstream uh, G7 500 up in Savannah. And for me, which I need to be up there within the next two weeks, it's a seven hour drive each direction. So, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive. I'm not going to take the chance. Uh, but, you know, I, when I get into Georgia, you know, once you get there, you're stuck in uh, the hotel and in all street at Gulfstream, you're not allowed on premise. So basically they'll give you a spot where the airplane is. Uh, we've paid for the airplane to be um, decontaminated and we get to go look at it and hopefully the airplane will be ready when we're ready to pick it up in a couple of weeks, but it's pretty hard to do your job when you can't get access to the plane. And when manufacturers typically say that it's ready 100%, that's not always true. We've seen that to be the case over and over. Um, so maybe the new thing will be Zoom or some kind of media where people are actually showing you the uh, contents of what was performed and the, uh, the completion is gonna be a whole nother story because it takes you know, numerous, numerous trips to make sure that they do what they're supposed to. And 99% of the time they don't. So it's, a t it's hard work every day, new problems. I think it's gonna be challenging. Thanks so much, Mark. That's Mark Connell, president of East Coast Jet Center in Fort Lauderdale. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And now delighted to have Sean, Din uh, Sean Dinning, senior partner at Dallas Jet International. Has uh, been in aviation 20 years, doesn't look old enough. Uh, former professional pilot, rated for most Gulfstream aircraft and a few others, 5,500 flight hours. Sean, what's life like in, in Dallas? 
Yeah, you know, Dallas is uh, good. Uh, we're having tons of fun here. We actually, in the last week, I've gone and got my hair cut, and uh, I've been to three restaurants, uh, lunch and two dinners, Al. And uh, are your customers back as well? Uh, they are sort of back. Uh, you know, what, what we've seen across the industry uh, at our firm and then also at our friendly competitors' firms, uh, the phones are ringing a lot. Um, it's just that the actual transaction deal flow volume is down. You know, we actually, we track web metrics across some of our advertising partners. And those metrics give us a pretty good idea of what the, at least the internet interest is on our listed aircraft. And the interesting thing was that in the period, right when the lockdown started, uh, which was March 23rd, 24th or so, uh, the the web traffic on our listings shot way up and it was sometimes to the tune of like 75% up during that period. And then the period April 7th through about April 21st, traffic went back down on the web. And then in the last two weeks, we've noticed a, another surge in the internet activity. So, so hopefully that, you know, that turns into a, a, a lasting trend. Um, on the buying side, uh, we are being engaged by your textbook opportunistic buyer. And, uh, you know, they have a discount rate in mind. And that might be 5% off, that might be 30% off. And if, if a seller can meet that price expectation, the deal will happen. Um, but these opportunistic buyers, they also tend to be aircraft owners currently, and they tend to be very patient. And, uh, and so they have no problem waiting the seller out. Um, and so that's what we're seeing on the buying side. On the selling side, uh, you know, our, our client base right now is being very level-headed. And, and so they're asking us to provide data and they're willing to make price reductions uh, if, if we can show them justification to do so. That's interesting. So you, and do you actually think those opportunistic buyers are serious? They're not, they're not just tie, tie kickers. Yeah, I, I, for the most part, Al, I do think they're serious. And in fact, most buyers calling with that opportunistic intent, uh, they're, they're veteran aircraft owners. And so they're qualified and they've bought aircraft before. Uh, I, would, I would issue a caveat to that. Um, you know, they're only serious if they can find a seller that will meet their discounted price expectation. And, and so in many cases, they won't, they won't find that seller uh, in the near term. Maybe, maybe they will as time goes on, but you know, a lot of discounted expectations that these buyers have will not be met. You know, the other issue is uh, that makes them serious or not is they, they own aircraft. And, and so, you know, what do we do? What do we do with the existing aircraft? Uh, even if the opportunistic buyer is, is reasonable on their selling price of the old aircraft, how long, how long is it going to take to sell? Uh, you know, if, if the opportunistic buyers, is, is he willing to own two aircraft and, and bear the cost of owning two aircraft at the same time? Uh, also, in the U.S., uh, there's the income tax issue, and and many of our clients take advantage of that bonus 100% expensing, and you know the optimum strategy with that is that that the relinquished aircraft must be sold in in the same year, same calendar year as it's bought, and so that could put an opportunistic buyer kind of in a corner as a seller at at the end of the year. So so yeah, I take them serious, but there's some obstacles to overcome. Okay, you made a mistake there. You mentioned tax, and we've got a great question from Ryan Demore. In the U.S. market, what effect did the bonus depreciation have, which was strong, 
But since that lever has been pulled already, what else can governments do to stimulate purchasing post-COVID? So what tax benefit would you like to see? I told you it was a tough question. Yeah, I mean, I think that I personally think there's a lot of tax benefits to to aircraft ownership as long as you are using that aircraft for business. I don't know. I don't know how much more we can do. I mean, I can tell you that there's, you know, there is the uh, in the in the, the CARES Act here in the U.S., which is the Corona Relief uh, Act. Um, it's got a provision in there where you can take a, a, a current year net net operating loss and uh, and then apply that to a previous tax. Um, excuse me, tax year. And and so uh, that is creating uh, what I'd call a quiet excitement right now. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of discussions about it, a lot of webinars, and and hopefully that that can turn into some, some increased uh, interest in the marketplace. But I honestly, I think that in the U.S., I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of tax advantages to uh, buying an aircraft for business. Okay, that was a, that was a good answer. Uh, Josh Messenger's just said, we are seeing some qualified, smart and reasonable buyers, including first time wanting to come into the market, but not just looking for blood in the water. I think we need to all work with those types and not just the opportunistic one. I take it you agree with that. Well, absolutely. I mean, the only, you know, uh, a, a buyer that doesn't want to find blood in the water is better than a buyer that does in my book. So so I would love to work with those, those folks. It's just I think uh, they're fewer and farther between right now because people uh, are just waiting to see what happens here. Okay, so in Dallas, things feel are coming back to normality. When do you think the business jet market will be back to normal? Yeah, this is a tough one for me, and I'm probably I'm probably more negative than positive on this one. I think I, I think that in the near term, uh, supply will continue to rise at a much faster rate than demand will rise, and and so. Um, I think we have a little bit of a hole to dig ourselves out of when, when all this is over. Ultimately, the, the timing of the market getting back to normal will be predicated on restoring aircraft utilization. I mean, that's what it's all about. And, and getting these hours per owner back up. I mean, if we're not flying, people are not going to be buying whole aircraft, not whole aircraft anyway, at a high volume. I mean, there may be, there may be upticks in ad hoc charter and card programs, but as far as fractional ownership and whole aircraft ownership, it's, it's a tough road at the current utilization levels. And the only way that aircraft utilization comes back is if the fear of this, uh, the fear of this virus dissipates. And uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, you could be flying in your private jet and it just got UV radiated, uh, you know, UV radiated and it could be cleaner than a bottle of bleach. And, you know, these passengers still have to reintegrate uh, with society at their destinations. So for me, it's all about utilization and, uh, you know, one other data point that's interesting, and I know it's a different business, but I've got a lot of friends that are in upper management at the big four U.S. airlines. And, you know, right now they're flying 10 percent of their passenger seat miles. And the rosiest of their projections right now at, at airline management is that uh, they may be at 70 percent of their passenger seat miles by uh, 18 months from now. And so in business aviation, we we need to figure out a way to to get our business jet utilization better than 70% of what it was uh, over 18 months, because that's that's pretty not good. Brilliant. Thanks, Sean. Thanks very much, Sean Dining, Senior Partner at Dallas Jet International. Great seeing you, and, and you know, congratulations on the haircut. Oh, thanks, Al. Great to see you. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, we're now delighted to go to Oliver Stone, who should be in London, be in London. but he's on day...
he's now six weeks into an eight-day trip to the U.S. That is that is still correct, Al. We haven't made it back yet, so we've had a few things over here. So we're we're pushing pushing seven or eight right now. I'm ready for a change of clothes. I'll tell you that. So. Your your shirt looks very clean. <laughs> uh, Oliver, with so much going on, are customers even thinking about buying or selling jets in Europe at the moment? Yeah, we are seeing them do so. Um, you know, from the sales standpoint, we've had a number of clients come to us who are just reevaluating their ownership right now. And I think they're figuring out that there's other uses of cash that they would be better off in or other investment opportunities they could make. And I think they're seeing that the travel opportunities that they need, there's other ways they can service them. And so maybe owning an airplane isn't quite there. Uh, interestingly, we haven't yet had clients come to us say, uh, we are in a massive financial squeeze, sell at all costs. And that actually has been one thing that's been very absent this time through is we, I haven't personally, and I, we haven't heard of many of these kind of super distressed discount deals. Uh, I'm sure across the 20,000 airplanes that exist in the world, there are some, but it's just not been that prevalent. And, um, and so that's been a very interesting difference. Uh, one thing we've also noticed is a lot of our guys have, uh, had some much more friendly working relationships with their banking institutions that may have lent them money, which has been a big difference this time around. I think the banks learned a valuable lesson back in 08 is the worst thing you can do in a downturn is repossess an airplane. And they've been very proactive in finding solutions to avoid that scenario. And so that's been an interesting change this time through. Um, on the buyer side, we are seeing people, um, you know, I, I think it uh, it may have been Sean said, you know, we're seeing a lot of people with the blood in the water and we are seeing some of that. We take that with less uh, sincerity than some, because usually when someone says I want an airplane that's half off, even if it is half off, it's never half off enough. But there are some people making some some interested questions about getting back into it. Um, generally, there are people who have owned a plane before. Uh, they're generally from what we can see, people that have been tossing the idea around before COVID kicked in. And now they just think it's a great opportunity, better than otherwise, to, to jump into the into ownership. Um, you know, a point I'd like to make, though, I think Frank Janicki asked a question about costs. I don't think we're going to see a huge number of people who have never been chartering airplanes jump into buying and owning. Uh, one thing we all seem to forget is our industry is horrendously expensive. And I think most folks who are used to sending staff traveling around an EasyJet or BA they're just not going to wrap their head around spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a monthly travel bill when previously they were spending five to 10. And so I just think that's going to be an interesting thing to figure out how that works and how the travel dynamics work in the future. No, no I, I agree. Although I think some companies, CEOs might agree to the CEO flying on a private jet. You know, yes and no. And one thing we've had with some long-term customers of ours who were tossing the idea around is they came back and said, you know, we've furloughed half of our staff. The last thing I can be seen doing right now is buying a jet. And and fair enough. And there's a big optics problem out there at this time, at least for a lot of our clients, is either they don't want to be seen by their remaining staff to be fiscally irresponsible, and they don't themselves want to be seen as being fiscally irresponsible. Um, very good client of mine, uh, his, you know, his business has suffered as with all of them, but he's still making actually a tremendous amount of money in his industry. But he just said to me, you know, it's would be a really terrible thing for me to do to go spend another five to $10 million on a bigger toy when my business has been through a 50% reduction, still profitable, but you know, it'd just be a, a bad timing for me mentally to cross that threshold. And so th I think that's a big obstacle we're still seeing 
on the, on the buy side of, 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 of the equation. So Yeah, and if you're going to be negative, you can easily see newspapers attacking companies that have taken advantage of furloughs or government loans buying aircraft. I mean, to be cynical here, Al, I think that's going to be our, our big three automaker moment this time around if it happens, where it's, you know, some large company got, you know, a whole series of, of loans or cheap grants or whatever it is. And then, you know, they go off for a boondoggle to go play golf somewhere on the global. And um, my, my fear is that's going to happen at some point, you know, at the risk of being cynical. So let's hope it doesn't. But we'll see. So, OK, here's a question very relevant to you by Mike Carmen. What about quarantines imposed on inbound international travelers? This is a uh, big one. Hard to see how anything other than US domestic or intra-Europe travel rebounds if the traveler has to sit for 14 days. I, I fully agree. And look, Europe's for the folks here in the States, in the, Europe had much more severe lockdown regiments in the U.S. I mean, the U.S. was far more suggestion versus rule, and that was not the case uh, in, uh, in Europe. And to put this in perspective, you know, we have an office in, in Slovakia in Eastern Europe, and if they left the country, they were forced into a state run hotel for two weeks if they came back in. And that just didn't exist in the U.S. And that is a huge impediment to travel. And that's for everybody. For rich, for poor, for everyone, it doesn't matter who you are. So, I mean, Mike's question is a very valid one. If we have a, a huge border shutdown or a quarantine, a mandated quarantine, in effect, it's the same thing as a border shutdown. And functionally, we're in the travel industry. And if travel becomes cumbersome and difficult, people don't travel and don't need our services. So, <laughs> And you don't want to eat the food in a state-run hotel? No. No, no, no. East, East, Eastern Europe state-run hotels, best to avoid. So. so when do you plan to come back? Are you worried about the lockdown? Uh, I'm going to be coming back next week. Uh, we had some things here to wrap up, and we'll be back next week, assuming Mr. Johnson doesn't actually put the two-week quarantine in, in place. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that if he does, then we're going to try and get underneath that wire because another two weeks doesn't really turn me on that much right now. So. You can always go by France or Ireland, which is not being... Well, apparently there's no such thing as coronavirus in France or Ireland, you know, so go figure that one out. So. Thanks, Oliver. Well, good luck getting back with Amanda. Thank you Thanks very, very much. much, Oliver Stone, Managing Director of Calibri Aircraft. Thank you. Okay, we're now delighted to have Dustin Cordier in Atlanta, Georgia. I can't, I'm going to try and see if I can get you slightly clearer. Dustin needs no introduction. President of Jet Aviva, former uh, VP and sales executive with Cessna, Ombraire, he sold almost a billion dollars of aircraft, distinguished career in the US Air Force, um, worked for flight safety, and the only blemish on his career is he once managed a bank. Hi, Dustin, how are you? I'm great, Al. Thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be here, and uh, I was trying to set the record today for largest earphones, so I've won that so far. You're doing very well. It's good to see you. Like, we can't quite get you in focus, but that could just be because your earphones are so big. Um, <laughs> Um, what do you think? Are you thinking? Are, are you guys specialize in smaller aircraft? Are you seeing owner pilots more committed to holding on or or keeping flying? What's that community like? Well, I think uh, I think as far as keeping flying, that their their personal supply chain, if you will, it is much simpler than that of a larger flight department. So uh, they they can kind of be an army of one. Uh, 
uh, when it comes to complexity and even liabilities. So uh, I'm on the management committee for NBAA. Uh, several aviation directors are, you know, proactively trying to get their flight departments ready when it's time to start flying again. And it's not a single step process. They're coordinating with multiple agencies within their companies, uh, HR even. Uh, there was a, one company was wanting to take the temperatures of passengers before they board the aircraft and, and HR pushed back uh, uh, that that would be an issue. So, so from a complexity point of view, the aviation directors for the larger companies are just dealing with much more issues uh, then someone who can jump in their uh, jet and in seven minutes uh, taxi and go. And, and um, so, so from that, that point of view, uh, the commitment on the, on the lighter jets is, is certainly there. As far as wanting to hold on to their aircraft um, with, with, you know, I think both the larger aircraft and the lighter ones are just assessing what is, what is best for their situation going forward. There's a great question here from Mike McCracken of Hawkeye. For those that have buyers buying, and I'm assuming you have, are they first time or upgrades? And is there a compelling reason they are moving now? Because, you know, upcoming upgrades on existing aircraft or other reasons? You know, it's, it, it's both. There, uh, there are, we have had several inquiries um, uh, from first time buyers. Uh, and we have had several uh, opportunists, like Sean has said, but smart opportunists just realizing that in their plans in the future, they've wanted to upgrade. And so perhaps now is perhaps now is the time that they that they can do that. So, you know, from the first time, just to give some data behind kind of the inquiries um, from the middle of February to the middle of April, our inbound activities fell from essentially 150 on average inquiries a week down to 59, so mid-April being the lowest. Uh, in the last four weeks, we've increased on our inquiries uh, back up to last week we hit 157, so that was pre-COVID interest. So uh, that's a good sign, a good metric that there's uh, that there is interest uh, from both the the first time buyer and uh, and people looking for an, an opportunity to upgrade. Do you, do you think that's people just getting bored of Netflix? You know, I, I do. I did hear that Sean Dunning reached the end of Netflix. I'm not sure if that's a true story or not, but. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think the inquiries we're getting are actually solid. And, and so, you know, in that time frame from February to April, we, we lost 75% of our, our pending deals. And in May alone, we're looking at, uh, at 12 pendings. So there is, there is real activity out there. It's a question from Richard Berkemeyer. Uh, what are the opportunities going forward? How do you shift or your, your customers shift their existing business model? Well, uh, opportunities for a buyer from a seller or for, from a broker's point of view. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll interpret it from, uh, from Jetaviva's point of view. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for us to get good alignment with our customers. Uh, for those that are looking to upgrade, uh, this, is a, this is a great time. This is, if they're uh, realistic on selling now, they can probably be rewarded uh, on the acquisition side of the equation, especially as they're, as they're moving up. Uh, 
So uh, getting close to the clients, getting aligned with the clients uh, and, and making sure that, you know, what, what we're seeing in our clients is they just want, they want reality. They want to know what the risks are and they want to know the best way to mitigate them. And they, they don't want any hype. They're, they're tired of the television shows. They just, they're, they want data and, and we're providing the data to help them, you know, decide what's the best way to move forward. And, and that's been effective. Okay, you're going to get all the questions now. Uh, this oh, is from okay. Mike Francis, uh, which was for Brian. But you worked, you know, for two OEMs. Do you think we will see some new air, new airframe types not return back to production? Uh, well, there's certainly there's certainly a possibility of it. I think this is an opportunity with supply chains kind of shut down uh, for the OEMs to take a look at perhaps what products may be cannibalizing other products, what products are not, uh, are relatively low margin products for them that they can they, they can eliminate uh, from their portfolio. And perhaps they didn't have that chance before this uh, slowdown to, to do that. So uh, that, that's certainly a possibility. Do you, um, do you, you know, you, I, I know you're biased, but in the last downturn, you know, the, the small jets haven't really come back. Do you think they're going to come back faster than in the post-2008 downturn? Well, I, I would agree with what Mark said before, and, and, and that is yes. So in, in the GFC, you know, the GFC was a, was a credit it, uh, and a liquidity issue, and the little guys were hurt more. You know, they weren't eligible for TARP. They, were, they, were just, they took a bigger beating than the big boys. And, you know, what we're seeing in COVID is the start, and I don't know how far it goes, but it's certainly the start of perhaps a reverse globalization. And so when you look into, when you go out and you look on the market and you see that there's more G550s listed for sale than Phenom 100s, it certainly, it certainly gives you pause for what's going to happen in the heavy iron. Uh, if you look at the flight radar data, flight radar 24, you'll see that light jets are flying at 2x bigger iron right now. And uh, as new buyers come in, or at least consider it, and I've taken several calls along this way of, you know, hey, how do I get in? So there's an affordability side to the light jet that it, it makes it more accessible. Certainly the charter guys and the, and the fractional players uh, and I think the light jet uh, market are set up. You know, what's interesting is right now, if you look at the top five airlines, market cap combined is less than Zoom's. So Zoom's market cap right now is $37.7 And the top five airlines are just over $35 billion. So, you know, that 18 months recovery for the airlines is certainly optimistic and, and people are going to look for alternatives and, and certainly the light jet uh, entry point is much more accessible than, than the heavier iron. Gee, one of the arguments I always thought with the light jet is that depreciation was great because it allowed you to tell your partner you weren't paying as much for the aircraft as it looked like. And, it, and now, actually, if you're saying to your partner, I can fly the family safely we can get around it. It's, the argument's there, isn't it, for, for small and medium enterprises? It, it certainly is. I mean, I when I'm listening to uh, potential customers on the phone uh, or on Zoom, I'm hearing a lot more conversations about safety, uh, security, 
cleanliness, some of the options that perhaps NBAA promoted for our industry, but never really stuck uh, before. Um, and, and so that safety and security, I think, is becoming a much bigger issue. And if you look at the smaller companies or as you know, we might call it the middle market, those executives, you could argue, are more important to the survival of that, those companies than, than perhaps the Fortune 500 size companies. Uh, they don't have as deep a bench strength. Uh, typically, their executives were in at the start of that company. So their safety and security means a whole lot more to the existence of the company and the, and the families that that company supports than perhaps larger companies do. Okay, that's brilliant. Thanks so much, Dustin. My pleasure. And that was Dustin Cordier, uh, president of Jet Aviva. Thanks so much, and great to see you. Okay, Richard Berkemeyer earlier on said, could he come on screen? I'd like to welcome this. Everyone is welcome. Rich, what would you like to say? Uh, I'll, I'll give a one-minute uh, presentation here, um, Al. Many of us, first of all, the makeup, my makeup artists have been working around the clock. Um, they've done an excellent job. The uh, Many of us have been impacted. Some of us have had the virus. I have not. I've got plenty of viruses. Um, some of us have laid off employees. Our businesses have been impacted and like. We're really a small knit close community that gets together um, because of you over the years, uh, whether it's Singapore, London, Miami, etc. What Brian said earlier, um, the uh, we should certainly support what you're doing. And when I get off of this call in a few minutes, I'm going to go straight and sign up for your thing. Uh, the I'll, I'll give you my home address after we're finished here uh, for the stimulus check and whatever. But um, I think, uh, you know, we should all be supportive. Uh, also, I think if uh, those of us who shift our models a little bit uh, or look for the opportunities will be highly successful. If you look at Michael Porter and uh, his four corner strategic vision. Like, If we make those things, we'll be successful and the like. So I wish you all well. Uh, thanks, Al. Thanks, um, Rich. You got it. Uh, really, and I, get, I promise that wasn't also a, a setup. Thank you so much to everyone for watching us. Uh, we look forward to seeing next week when we'll be focusing on transactions. We'll send the email out faster. Still amazing to have 500 people on again. Um, it just shows that you know Netflix doesn't last forever. Um, and uh, if, you, if you're also bored, I recommend Masterclass and the Corporate Jet Semester Transaction Masterclass. Thanks so much to all our fantastic uh, speakers. It's great to go around the world, and we look forward to seeing you all next week. Good night, good evening, good morning.